Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Good morning, Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio here on the 24th of August. This is your host, Kyle Owen. Today, I'm joined by my producer, Jacob Aromi, and uh, co-host, Justin Brown. we got a lot to cover today, including some Texas State football and uh, a lot of other things. But before we get to that, i got a word from our sponsor. Thank you, Kyle. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a proud sponsor of this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks eats, drinks, scenic views. Yes, eats, drinks, scenic views. So, as I was saying, got some big news out of Texas State football, but I hope everybody's having a great First week of classes so far, third day in. Just wanted to give a little shout out to everybody out there grinding and doing their thing right now. But uh, at the end of the day, just uh, get it done and uh, have a great rest of your week. And uh, just want to put that out there real quick. But like I said, big news, Texas State football. Uh, Yesterday during the press conference at around uh, 1135 or so, um, Texas State football has a brand new quarterback after uh, last season and uh, the struggles with um, the quarterback situation there and uh, the departure of, uh, of our, our old fateful um, Got a new quarterback, quarterback room. We had some one familiar guy, Ty Evans, in that room, but uh, the one that came out on top, the Arkansas State transfer from um, – Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. No, Arkansas State. Yeah, but he was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, heard. Yeah, where heard. From. <laughs> yeah, heard. Yeah, from Ar- Little Rock, Arkansas. Yeah. Lane Hatcher. Lane Hatcher. Sunbelt Conference preseason nominee right there. And uh, a guy that we knew that could sling the ball has given Texas State some problems at home two years ago put up uh like 50 plus when a shootout I was at that game with my grandparents and uh and uh something put in up over 100 points combined i think in that game and uh was was a was a nice little little shootout there lane hatcher put on for the tech state fans and i'm sure he enjoyed um the game there and uh, a big reason probably why he came back yeah i mean uh it's clear you had ty evans who probably had the higher ceiling like we talked about a couple of days ago but lane hatcher was a more consistent quarterback he has actually started Ty Evans has yet to start a collegiate game. And, uh, you know, Lane Hatcher has that has that experience uh, from Arkansas State. And so uh, when if you're Jake Spavadol, you're going into this year and it's kind of win or you're done. It, it seems like that like he's on the hot seat. You, you got to get some improvement out of uh, last year's four win season. And Lane Hatcher just seemed like the more consistent more, like I said, experience, more, you know, just more trustworthy quarterback uh, putting him behind center because Texas State has weapons. At wide out, they have Javen Banks, Marcel Barbie, a couple guys who are, are really good running back. That running back room is full uh, with Calvin Hill and Jamil Jeter kind of starring. And then the defense is, you know, even getting better as well. So all they needed is that consistent arm behind center. And I, I think that Lane Hatcher is exactly that. Yeah, I think Spavadol was put in a, you know, a unique situation here. It's like you could choose someone that has no experience playing at the collegiate, you know, starting in a collegiate game, being under those lights, you could not, perf- there could be an opportunity where you won't perform as good. And with Lane Hatcher, we've seen him. We've seen him on the Arkansas State Red Wolves. We've seen him perform. He had 2,423 yards last season. I mean, we see this guy can play. So if you're Spavadol, you're in a situation where it's win or, you know, 
go home, you know, in this situation. We need we need wins this year. He's going to pick someone that has experience, and I think Lane Hatcher was a great choice. Yeah, I mean, not only the experience there, but uh, the 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 locker room has completely just taken in Lane Hatcher and accepted him as the guy. I mean, he was named a captain, which is voted mm-hmm. on by the team, and he was one of the two guys that unanimous. was unanimous. Yeah. And so uh, that just shows how much the locker room is kind of around Lane Hatcher and, um, and supports him being there and how much that – uh, he's put the work in to prove to these guys, even though he's coming in from somewhere else, that he is going to be their guy and he's going to get the job done. So I think at the end of the day that Lane Hatcher was the right decision there and uh, it only can go up from here. And I hope that, uh, you know, for at the end of the day, um, Jake Spavadol gets uh, gets to keep on keeping on here mm-hmm. at Texas State. And and uh, Lane Hatcher is the guy that brings us to the first bowl game in uh, Texas State history. And looking at it, you so now you start thinking what's next for Ty Evans because you talked about how in the press conference he said no matter what happens this season, Lane Hatcher's our guy, which is the complete opposite of what happened last season where Vitt started about five, six weeks in and uh, held that position for the rest of the season. And so they're backed by Hatcher all the way. And so now you have to re- wonder what's next for Ty Evans because now you have CJ Rogers, who Jake Spavadol loves. He's yeah, been talking very about highly him, of very, very highly of. I mean, he even talked about a couple weeks ago. He said that CJ Rogers, the transfer from Baylor, he's was in the mix with Ty Evans and Lane Hatcher. So, I mean, this guy has as clearly, uh, you know, infatuated Jake Spavadol. And so it, at that point, once Hatcher is done, he's got two years left in the tank. Once he's done, uh, if he stays for two years at Texas State, then you have Ty Evans, who only is going to have one year left, and then C.J. Rogers, who I think is going to have two or three. And, you know, at that point, you wonder, will Ty Evans ever really start a game for the Bobcats? Yeah, and I mean, you talk about Lane Hatcher and and, and uh, Coach Spavadol and how his, his quarterback guru uh, mindset, and he's actually going to be calling plays this year mm-hmm. um, as the offensive coordinator that's a vacant position right now. So Coach Spavadol calling plays this year, and he said that he hasn't been able to open up the playbook as much as he has this year in his four years here. He's been able to, like, Lane Hatcher's come in, learn the playbook, from day one and was able to everything's been able to be installed and ready to go and then even more has been added and coach Pavadol said it's gotten to the point where he's going to call the play in and lane just waves him off and says i already know what you're going to call let's just get this thing going so being able to have lane hatcher as a field general whenever in his first year and taking that burden off of coach Pavadol's shoulders and play calling wise I mean, obviously, he's still going to have to, you know, do a lot of that legwork. Mm-hmm. But but having the confidence in your quarterback to know what should be called and when it should be called is is a huge deal, especially when you don't have an offensive coordinator. I completely agree. And I love that you focused on earlier how chemistry and how the players just said it was unanimous, that he was the leader. Now, that's an amazing thing because this is someone that's handling the ball 90 percent of the time. Right. You know, in the game and he's making all the big decisions. And if you have respect for your leader and you are, you know, it's like a brotherhood and you all come, you know, have a camaraderie. That's an amazing thing. You know, make you know those big time decisions down the road a lot easier for lane and especially jake spavitol and i think what's very interesting is i i sat down with lane hatcher a couple weeks ago at a press conference and um i said what what brought you to Texas state and he said jake spavitol that was his answer he said wow it was pretty much him that brought him there it's and people have talked about it it's very they have very similar lane hatcher is kind of a, a mini jake spavitol they've even said so um <laughs> those two i'm sure are going to work together to uh, create a, a good, consistent offense. And 
um, yeah, just excited to see what's going on. Glad it's finally announced. So there's no more kind of uncertainty heading into the season. Now it's certain everybody knows what they're going to be doing and it's time to, uh, you know, lock in because you got Nevada in what now, like 10 days? Uh, yeah, like 10 days. I think yesterday was 11. Today mm-hmm. is 10. So That's yeah, Nevada, right? Nevada. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about it. But uh, no, so yeah, Nevada, 10 days away at Nevada. I mean, it's going to be an absolutely huge game. But um, before we go to a break real quick, we got some other big news out of Texas State football announced this morning um, that Kyle Hergel has been selected as the senior on the senior bowl watch list so that's the Reese's senior bowl the big one in mobile alabama's televised national tv kyle hergel is on that watch list so be sure to uh keep focus on that offensive line this year because uh from what i've heard and what i've seen uh these guys play as a unit and they are really 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 good so excited for that excited for kyle hergel lane hatcher and tech state football coming up in 10 days but we're gonna go ahead Take a quick break real quick, but on the other side of it, we're going to go ahead and talk about some San Marcos High School football, Texas State soccer, national sports, and things like that. Got a 20-minute segment coming up for you. First 10 minutes, already gone, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. And welcome back to this Wednesday's edition of Bobcat Radio. Here in the studio with me, I've got my producer, Jacob Aromi, co-host, Justin Brown, and this is your host, Kyle Owen. Like I said, got some San Marcos High School football coming up for you in this segment. And uh, first game of the first game this week, three days away, three days away from high school football, Texas high school football, the biggest thing, almost a religion here in the state. And uh, excited for them boys of the Rattlers. Got a got a big one against the Hutto Hippos on August 26th, Friday night. Little Rattler night at Toyota Rattler Stadium, and it's going to be a good one. We've talked a lot about San Marcos High School football a little bit so far, but uh, heading into this first game, what are some of the expectations that y'all have for the San Marcos football team that uh, maybe you know you saw last year that uh, they needed to improve on, or maybe something that um, that you know they had last year that that uh, they they need to keep going, or just anything along those lines. I think the run game is one thing that they need to keep going. I think Jake Rodriguez-Schultz, Jaden Brown, Isaiah DeLeon, even the quarterback, uh, have a very dominant run game. And uh, like Coach Nash was saying last Friday, he said, you know a John Walsh offense because you're going to run the ball. And uh, so that that is something that is good and that, that was working out for them, but something that was missing was the deep ball. Um, there was a lot of, if they were passing, it was a lot of screen plays out the backfield. It was a lot of... Uh, you know what I mean? Like a lot of smoke screens and stuff kind of get Tony Diaz a ball in the backfield and let him work. Yeah. And um, Flea flickers, jet sweeps, stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. It was, uh, and um, so I kind of wanted them to open it up more, really uh, find that deep ball. And looking at that video, I'm not sure if y'all saw Tony Diaz on Twitter during the scrimmage. He had one that he took for 60 yards, like I mentioned. He has grown, he's gotten better. Cutter Gage is now transferred from a punter and a backup quarterback to a wide receiver. So that's exciting. He's already Texas State commit for baseball, but hopefully he'll be good uh, at that wide receiver position this year. So, yeah, get the pass game going and keep that run game that you, you know, that brought you to the playoffs last year. Uh, keep that in your back pocket. Yeah, Cutter Gage, what an athlete. I mean, Texas State commit, like you said, and uh, punter last year as well. I'm actually kind of curious to see if uh, he'll keep that punter position or he'll be playing a, a wideout position uh, at, at during the punt team. But mm-hmm. um, maybe just something interesting. And hopefully, um, now that we're talking about special teams, you know, uh, last year, one thing I do remember is, is uh, kicking was actually not – 
the best thing in the world. And um, it took until about you know eight or nine games that, to find somebody they they really liked and and could put it through the uprights. But uh, maybe this year um, they keep that guy and uh, and uh, get get some extra points instead of uh, the six six or eight rather than the six or seven. So um, hopefully you know things like that get ironed out and uh but that's what the first couple of games are for and um excited to see what come what they come out with against the hippos on friday well you definitely have a couple games to get ready in that kind of a out of district schedule um but you know once you get in the district it's really like uh, again like coach nash said no pushovers the entire district that it's very different from the one that they were in last year last year you did it was very top heavy with lake travis and westlake and then as you got towards the bottom there was a bit of a drop off you know you looked at teams like Dell valley and stuff that you would go into that game saying uh, we we probably should have this one you know what i mean like we're favored of course you never want to go in there expecting to win but you're favored in it and this game this district there's nothing like that every single team is bringing their all and it's it's going to be less difficult from like a top heavy standpoint but more difficult as you got to play consistently really well each and every week yeah and they start their season with the hardest team in their Mm non-district which is huddo huddo has been historically a pretty decent team um and moving up to 6a recently you know they're having to make that adjustment but i think at the end of the day uh it is going to be definitely a challenge for um for this rattler team yeah i mean it just I compared to their basketball program, I didn't get the chance to witness this amazing mm-hmm. football program here at San Marcos High School. But, you know, if anything I know about Rattler sports is they can be really, really, really good. And I've seen the basketball team go far, and unfortunately they lost that first that playoff game um, last year. But I think this football team, I mean, if you, if you, if you, you know, what you say is true about Isaiah De Leon and this great running game that they have, I mean, honestly, there's some bright things about this team. And I, I think Coach Walsh is going to do some really great things. And I'm just excited to see how they're going to do in this new district because mm-hmm. this changes a lot of things. Without Westlake and without Lake Travis weighing these teams down because those powerhouses that take all these wins throughout the year this gives a lot of opportunity for our players to play some new talent and to get better from it and you like you said cutter gauge webb one of texas state's commits right so you're getting players more skill that are end up coming towards texas state which is kind of a cool thing so yeah i'm really excited to see what this football program can do especially in this new district so as we were saying san marcus high school football the rattlers coming in first home game of the year first game of the season against the huddle hippos at 7 30 toyota rattler stadium little rattler night be sure to get out there watch this san marcus high school team they are fun to watch even if you're not a you know not from san marcus just a tech state student looking for some good football and uh you don't want to have to travel for a week zero game or something like that this weekend need to see some football just got to get that itch going well go ahead watch the rattlers these guys they put put on a fun show and uh they really enjoy it and if you're not going to be at the game be sure to listen right here ktsw we're going to start pregame probably around 7 10 or so to 20 20 30 minutes before the game starts so uh like i said kickoff 7 30 toyota rattler stadium against the huddo hippos first game of the season for the san marcus high school rattlers but moving on back to some texas state sports talked to on monday head coach of texas state soccer hit on some texas state soccer again um you know started the season 2-0 starting 2-0 got their next game tomorrow tomorrow night in corpus christi against texas a&m corpus christi at seven o'clock these girls gonna take their first road game of the year and uh i think uh definitely has the ability to 
to show up and, and show out. I mean, I, I think between the two games that I've only had, I don't even think they've allowed double digit shots, period, throughout the whole season so far. And I think that as long as they uh, continue that trend and keep peppering uh, opposing keepers, um, they're going to they're gonna be able to find the back of the net and uh, and get the job done in Corpus this weekend. I am very interested to see what is how they're going to play in, like, in an away uh, setting because both home settings, uh, you know, Texas State fans really showed out. And, attendance record broken. Yeah, attendance record broken on Sunday night and even Thursday night in that opener. There was a lot of people there as well. So, um it's going to be interesting to see, and you know, you're not at the soccer complex here in San Marcos, so you're playing somewhere else. I believe they're actually playing on turf instead of grass in Corpus Christi, which is very interesting. They talked about it a little bit after the game, just saying that it's hotter, it's a little bit, you know, you're going to get drained a little bit quicker out there running on turf instead of grass. But so that's going to be another interesting thing to look at. But overall, if they keep playing the same way and they keep having that aggressiveness that has won them both games pretty convincingly i know the first game was only one and oh but i mean if you watch the game there was never a point where you believe that uh saint mary's was gonna gonna take over so after winning both games pretty convincingly i think as long as they stay aggressive they can pull out a uh, 3-0 start yeah you know jacob i looked back at their schedule for the you know the recent years and mm-hmm. since 2019 they have never won their first two games of the year mm-hmm. and this is already a great thing steve steve holman and this new coach for the soccer team is doing great things already winning the first two games and they're possibly going to win this third one and i think they're doing great things we saw betha g she was a great goalkeeper she's doing amazing things holding them down to you know no score in these past two games you know the defense has been amazing here uh, with this soccer program so i'm just very very excited to see what they can do for um, going out tomorrow. I'm interested to see who's going to be starting a goal because Coach Holman mm-hmm. was sitting there saying, like, you know, it's it's going to be a game time decision every single week. Each girl has their own special abilities and uh, special talents that that uh, it's it really just depends on you know the opponent and how they play. And uh, and you look you look at Chrisman, you look at Ag, and uh, you just you, you're confident in both of them, and Coach Holman is as well. And so uh, I'm I'm excited to see who they put back there, and 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 maybe throughout the season, maybe find somebody that uh, that they they find that. That works out for them and, and can be more of a steady uh, starting keeper rather than, you know, having to switch it back and forth. But at the same time, you know, keep those keep those arms and legs stretched and and uh, and nice and warm for for everybody else. And uh, and I don't think there's any problem with with switching it out as, as long as you're confident in both of them. I don't think so. either. And that's what Coach Holman said on here on Monday. He said, I think it's a it's a it's a positive, you know, competition drives both of them to be better. So. That's going to be definitely a thing to watch, not only this upcoming weekend, but just throughout the season in general. So like I said, Texas State Soccer kicking off their third game of the season against Texas A&M Corpus Christi tomorrow, Thursday, the 25th uh, at 7 o'clock in Corpus Christi. You can watch that game on, uh, I think, ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. And uh, be sure to support those Bobcats. Them, uh, the soccer team, really good this year. And uh, if you haven't watched the game so far, Go ahead, just drop it on that ESPN Plus and uh, put it on while you're doing some homework or something like that and uh, enjoy the show. But um, moving on to some national sports, some big news out of New York, Brooklyn, actually, this uh, this morning, last night. And uh, Kevin Durant staying, staying in Brooklyn. Not necessarily what he wanted, but that's what's happening. And, uh, and uh, it's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, I like this move from the Nets perspective because you look at what just happened with James Harden last year and other stuff where players will star players, superstar players even will request trades and they have all the power. And at that point, it kind of screws the team over because you're going to have to accept 
a, a bad trade because they went out. You're not going to get all the value you, you're getting from a Kevin Durant, a James Harden, and that's going to really put you in a hole. But the Nets really stood their ground. They said, hey, we're not budging. We don't like these trades that we're getting because we know that Kevin Durant is better than you know what they were receiving. Last one was five first-round picks from the Grizzlies. And they said, that's not enough. We're going to stand our ground. We're going to work this out. And they did. So, you know, you look from a month ago when you thought that Nets were going to get, you know, Kyrie was going to be gone. KD was going to be gone. But a whole now, new identity. Exactly. But now both of them are saying Ben Simmons is coming back eventually. You, you I mean, he I should be. Know. I, he I should think be. he will be playing. I think the first I, game. But I thought, I thought the season. same thing, you know, last season. So I, I want to see him back because he is entertaining to watch and that team would be entertaining to watch. The NBA over the summer, they, they, they revoked his fines, the $21 million gotcha. that he owed. So maybe he'll play. I don't know. Well, so that brings me to the question of now the Nets with KD, with Kyrie Irving, with Ben Simmons have yet to see these three play together. Where do you see them? finishing not only in like regular season standings but how far do you see them going in the playoffs if that in you know this eastern conference surprisingly i see them becoming a fourth seed in the east finishing mm-hmm. out at the fourth seed and leaving the maybe first round second yeah round. I, I could see the same thing i mean it's one of those things that uh obviously two of those guys don't necessarily want to be there and uh chemistry when it comes to that especially when you only have five guys on the court um two of the five being not necessarily Wanting there, wanting to be there is uh, not necessarily a great thing in the or the greatest thing in the world, um, from you know a coaching standpoint or uh, or an, a, a teammate standpoint. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully, you know they they make the best of their situation and and keep things just uh, under wraps and and try to try to just hold their emotions down, especially when they're on the court. Well, I actually I, I got a little fun question for y'all. That I just thought of with the two you know probably most disappointing teams in the past two you know, like season or two. Who do you think is going to have a better season, the Nets or the Lakers? Because those two are disappointing. They both have, you know, KD and LeBron, Russell Westbrook and Kyrie. Both these teams have been disappointing in the past, but both have also supposed to kind of get it together going into this season. Which one do you think would have a better season just in their respective conferences? Well, I will tell you right now that this is favoring the Lakers right now, okay? Because they have more – I know they have more star power. They have LeBron, and mm-hmm. he's playing like – if you've seen him in the Drew League, guy's dropping 42 points. He's well, playing like he's 23. But. I know. He's dunking <laughs> on mailmen and DoorDash drivers. I don't care. Well, here's the thing. This Lakers team has all the – they're going to have all the media attention all year long. They're expected to do good. So I'm not – I'm just going to say they're probably going to do the best out of the Nets and the Lakers. I'm just well, saying. the big thing that you said was in their respective conferences. Mm-hmm. So the West, obviously – a very 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 good conference Mm -hmm. and the east very top heavy you got Mm -hmm. a couple teams up there that that are going to keep it consistent and be good um but not as not as deep as the west will and so i think that that's the biggest thing that's uh that's holding the lakers back is the fact that they're going to have to um they're going to have to deal with the the West schedule mm-hmm. and uh, and and where the Nets are not going to have to do that. So I think at the end of the day, I think if, if we're talking about seeding, final place finishing, I think that um, I think the Nets will probably end up a little bit better. Maybe the three, four seed, like you said, and uh, Justin, and uh, and and where the Lakers may get like the five or six if they even make the playoffs or one mm-hmm. of those uh, wild card spots. Yeah, 
Yeah. Honestly, I didn't even think about it that way. The East, yeah, is, you know, not as stacked as the West. And, you know, LeBron in that group of eight, you know, those those are some older guys. So, you know, to play against the talent like you have in the Suns and, and other day teams. Day in, day out, you know, yeah. it's going to be difficult for the Lakers. Games, I don't know. Yeah. I think the East is stronger than people put it out to be. Maybe I really top, do. Maybe at the top. Well, the Bucks. you have the Celtics, you have the 76ers. I think the, the Ra- Heat are I think pretty good. The, Raptors, the, the yeah. Raptors and Heat are both very good regular season teams. When yeah, but you put get them the playoffs, against any of the Western teams, and then they kind of don't look as good. You know no, I, mean? I know, but I'm comparing them to the Nets, and uh, gotcha, I think, yeah. and then the Hawks are going to be better with DeJounte Murray. There's, and, there's uh, you teams look at the Hornets there. last year, too. I mean, they're pretty – or not the Hornets. Well, I was going to say, Hornets had an offseason. Hornets yeah. are, are struggling I'm very right excited now. for the Hawks. Yeah. Hawks, for, Hawks who was the, the team – uh, was it? Sh- I thought it was Charlotte, the Hornets, or was it the Magic that had uh, just out of nowhere just Cavaliers? Had- no, Chicago Bulls. Maybe I don't know. Both of those teams. Memphis had, Grizzlies had, did amazing. Well, well Chicago and well, Cleveland the West, were the two Eastern teams that really like popped out of nowhere and and had really good seasons. And really, if they keep it up, Chicago and Cleveland, both of those teams could finish better than the Nets. And so, if that's the case, where the Nets are now what seven eight seed. Yeah. So I still think even though you have the two best. Debatably best players in the NBA and Kevin Durant and LeBron James and these two respective teams, both of them in this time of the NBA where super teams are kind of dying off and it's more about depth and teamwork. You know, both teams are really now again, just like last season, going to struggle again to even make the playoffs. So NBA season, quite a quite a bit away still at this point, but uh, um, going on to some things that are in season, uh, MLB baseball currently right now. Last night, uh, Carlos Correa returned back to Houston for the first time since he has been traded to the Twins, came up, got a standing ovation, had to face the ace pitcher, Justin Verlander, and uh, Justin Verlander came out and uh, picks, pitched six complete innings through 91 pitches, no hits, no earned runs, no nothing out there on the mound, and uh, did a great job at it. But um, he's getting old, 39 years old, and uh, uh, can't can't do his 130, 150 pitch games anymore. So um, after pitching 91, he decided he was done for the day. And uh, in the next inning, Carlos Correa came up to bat first at bat against the new Astros pitcher, and uh, first pitch came at him right about the knees, slider in there, and then the second pitch came at the exact same spot, and he just ripped it down the line, and uh, Dubon just wasn't able to grab that, grab the ball, and uh, Carlos Correa grabs the first hit of the game, breaking up the combined no-hitter, and um, and uh, crowd wasn't necessarily uh, too happy about that one, but um, got his ovation at the beginning of the game and at the end of the game, and uh, and I'm sure they were proud to see uh, Correa, who's done so much for the Astros, just come out and uh, and perform against uh, against against their old team. Yeah, hundred percent. And they're also happy to see Alex Bregman, you know, get three, you know, three hits well, and two RBIs, <laughs> and and also, um, but yeah, the Strohs did get the win. By the way, four two over the the Twins. Um, I don't know if we said that, uh, but just letting I did that not be known. That, yeah, just, but um, yeah, no, I, I think it was great for Korea to come back to Houston. You know, me growing up in Houston, I love the Astros. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to catch this because I'm at school here for the first week, uh, Texas State. But um, yeah, uh, missed that. But unfortunately, yeah. But I'm so glad that uh. 
Correa came back and, you know, put on a little show for the Astros. I'm glad he could perform at least one hit. Yeah, man. And so uh, Astros top of the table right now, top of their league, top of the division as well. And uh, they're going to they're just keeping that margin from the from the Yankees. But another team near the top of the table right now from uh, from Austin, Austin FC facing off against LAFC this weekend. Q2 Stadium, top two teams in the Western Conference of of, uh, of the MLS. Um, going to be a great matchup if you can get out there, go out there. It's fun, fun time uh, at Q2 Stadium. But uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break on the other side of it. I think we got something special for you, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. And welcome back here to Bobcat Radio. Thank you for uh, joining us today. And uh, my name is Kyle Owen. I'm the host. We got Justin Brown right here, co-host, and then my producer, Jacob Aromi. And on the phone right now, we got Coach Sean Hewitt, head volleyball coach of Texas State Bobcats. And uh, how are you doing today, Coach? I'm doing good. How are y'all? Doing great. Thank you for thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate uh, you coming on and, and talking about the opening of volleyball season starting two days. Yeah, if ready or not, here we go. Yes, sir. So uh, coming out with this uh, Incarnate Word tournament this weekend, only two opponents in there, but uh, what are you expecting from your team this weekend, and what are you looking forward uh, to seeing most uh, out of your team in the first week or the first weekend of, um, of, uh, of actual games. Yeah, we're, we're, we're very anxious to have another team on the other side. We've been battling each other a lot here the last couple of weeks, uh, during preseason. And so we're just really anxious to see, uh, we have some days where we're like, Ooh, our offense looks really, really good. And then we're kind of putting some pressure on the defense. And then there's days the defense is looking really good. And we're like, okay, wait, where are we? You know, is our offense really good or our defense? And so we're just anxious to kind of see another team on the other side and see really where we're at. Um, we're pretty uh, physical. We look really athletic right now. And so there's a lot of things we're liking in the gym. But like I keep saying, we're just we're ready to, to have an opponent and see someone else on the other side. So this weekend at Incarnate Word, we have um, both HBU and Incarnate Word, who are both teams that we're going to really need to take care of our side of the net um, and They'll definitely be um, small and scrappy. They do some really good uh, things defensively, and so they're going to challenge us, which will be really good for us. Hi, Coach. Thank you for calling in again. Um, Looking at this past weekend with that maroon and gold uh, scrimmage, coming out of it, was there anything, you know, that you were watching on the court that really stood out to you and you really wanted to to work on this week heading into the first couple games of the season? Yeah, I mean, we're one of the things that is, is going to be our hardest thing is putting a starting lineup out there. We we run five or six deep in each position uh, with the exception of our setter position, which we have two really good setters. Um, and so our freshmen came in ready to play, and we knew they were going to be a really good class. We weren't sure how early they could get on the court, but all six of them are, are doing things that, that are challenging the upperclassmen and, and kids that have started before. And so trying to come up with a lineup is something we've really focused on this week and, and trying to do some different lineup work to just see, you know, we we're, we're really deep and I think it's going to bode well for us down, down the road. Um, it, it has caused for some really good competition in our gym, which only makes us better. Um, but we keep joking about it, but putting a starting lineup out, it, it has been really hard. Uh, and do you think that's a good thing to have so many options at each position, like to have that depth? Do you find that as as more of a positive or or more of like a struggle going into the season? 
Uh, no, I think it's definitely a positive, and that's what we've told the kids. It's like we, we know um, there's been some times and we're watching practice and doing some six-on-six six stuff, and I'm like, this could be better than some competition we get in a match at times. You know, our, our second six that we have over there is battling us here, and so it only makes us better. Um, getting that fine line of letting kids know um, – you know, you're not going to just make one mistake and go on the bench. You're not just you're going to have some room, but also knowing if your your A game's not ready. You know, there's people that are ready to take your spot and there's people that can get the job done, too. So uh, balancing that uh, is, you know, part of the coaching uh, stuff we have to deal with. But I, I think it only helps us. Yes, Coach. Hey, also, just thank you for calling, and we really appreciate it. And also, after this tournament against UIW, I see that you guys will be going to Hawaii. How do you prepare your yeah. players to focus on games in Hawaii? I know that they'll be going to Hawaii. Many may feel like it's a vacation of sorts. How do you guys uh, stay focused on the game and the task at hand? Yeah, I mean, this group is really locked in. Um, they know we have big goals. Uh, but one of the things we wanted to do, we wanted to reward them. You know, we, they've been through the battles, They've been through the ringer. Uh, we had to go through a COVID year. We had to play a year and a half. And so that recruiting class with DeWalt, Janelle, Jill, Lauren Teske and them, we, we wanted to do something really fun for them before they got out of here. And so going to Hawaii was something we, we thought would be a really good. It's a great volleyball trip, but it's also a life trip. You know, we're going to get to do some things that, you know, might be once in a lifetime for some of these kids. And so as much as we talk about wins and losses and, and that side of volleyball, there's so much more that we get to do. And so being able to give them this life experience of going to Hawaii, I will tell you Hawaii draws anywhere from six to 8,000 people. Um, and so like I was telling the kids, they just love volleyball there. So even the matches that, you know, we were playing Hawaii. They cheer for good volleyball. Now they'll definitely have the home court advantage, um, but but they just love good volleyball there. So we're excited for that. Um, we're going to do some really cool things over there, do a luau, um, and let them see parts of Hawaii. But you know, yes, it is a business trip, but we're going to have some fun as well. Yeah, and I mean, it's still early in the season, and uh, and things are gonna things are gonna be looking up after that, anyways. You come to you come right back home as soon as you and get back from Hawaii, and uh, got Sam Houston, Ole Miss, Wake Forest coming in. Um, talk about that that setup, and and uh, and what what came into the decision of bringing those three teams into San Marcos for that first uh, home set of the weekend. Yeah, you know, we, we wanted to get some more home matches. Obviously, we actually tried. We were going to try to host the first weekend because of the travel to Hawaii is so um, hard on your body. We Luckily, we were able to go to San Antonio first weekend. Then we're going to go to Hawaii. Then we're going to get back, and then we're at home. So we get to uh, let them let their bodies adjust back to the time um, and get going. We wanted – we are the Sunbelt coaches. We, we've really talked a lot about trying to get two teams in. You know, Texas State, we traditionally schedule hard. We want to be ready for the Sunbelt. But we also want to be um, one of those teams that if we don't win the Sun Belt, we're getting an at-large bid. We want to have two teams in the NCAA tournament. And so uh, Sam Houston won their, ter- uh, won their league last year, always very good. Uh, Ole Miss got an at-large bid. Um, they probably stole that bid from us. If we would have had one or two more wins, that could have been us. And so they're right there on that board. Um, come tournament time. And so it's just a great tournament. Wake Forest, new coach in the last couple of years, really turning them around in the ACC. And so those are matches that all are winnable and then they're going to go win some matches. And so that really helps our RPI um, when it comes down to tournament time uh, for the NCAA. So coach, you talk about getting snubbed for that bid uh, last, last uh, match of the season got swept against, uh, against, 
Oh, it South was, Alabama. yeah, South Alabama. Sorry. And then, uh, but, uh, and didn't get that bid. Um, how important is it to come out and get a first win in that first game for the confidence of your team? I know, you know, y'all are still, you know, top of the Sun Belt are gonna, gonna be competing for another championship, but, uh, not being able to get that four P and, and missing the tournament last year, how important is winning this first game against Houston Baptist? Yeah. You know, we, we talked a lot. Uh, we call it the COVID hangover. Um, that first year when we had to play for basically three seasons, we played 40 matches. Um, it just took a toll on a lot of mental health and our bodies. And so we knew we had everyone returning last year. Um, we probably scheduled a little too tough right out of the gate. Um, we dealt with some injuries there early. And so definitely learning experience for us. Um, I loved how our team was able to come together and go on that run to end the season we joke sometimes too about how we felt like finishing second in a top fifth. We were way closer to getting an at-large bid than we ever would have thought with how our season started. Um, but um, finishing second in a top 50 season wasn't good enough for these kids. And I love that. I love that our program and our culture is that second place isn't good enough for them. You know, I, I say it a lot, like it's way more than wins and losses, but when you feel that your kids are disappointed in second place, it makes you feel good. You know, it makes you know that that they want to play every year for a championship. We are trying to get our program to be a top 30 program year in and year out. And so when the buy-in from the kids is that strong, uh, it makes you feel really good about that as the coach. So you kind of talked about the the non-conference schedule last season. And I did kind of want to bring it up. You know, you had a lot of ranked opponents, Texas, Kentucky, Ohio State, who were all ranked in the top 10 in the nation uh, when you played them. And going into this season, a lot less ranked opponents uh, on that non-conference schedule. Was this something that, you know, y'all, y'all went out and you wanted to to make it a little bit of an easier non-conference schedule or did the dominoes just kind of fall like that? No, yeah, it just kind of felt like that. We wanted to stay close. That was our thing with going to Hawaii. And I will tell you, yes, we're not afraid to schedule tough, and we always will. That first weekend last year probably ended up being a little tougher than we thought. But like I keep saying, it's not just about the volleyball side. Kennedy Rutherford, who was a senior for us, her sister played at Kentucky. And we just thought it would be a really cool experience for their family, for them to get to play each other. And we were supposed to do that at Kentucky and COVID and life that all changed. And so then um, that tournament came together and I was like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime for, for this family and what a great experience for them to get to play um, each other. And so, and again, probably a different beginning of our season, not going through all the COVID stuff, not going through that, you know, Dayton and Cincinnati are both good teams, but those are both teams we should beat and could beat. Um, And so just where our mental psyche was, it wasn't great. Um, We did talk about, trying to make sure we win early um, to really build this group. Um, I know I've said the mental side, this group was so used to winning that they lost a couple matches and then we lost a couple kids to injury. There was just this cycle and they just were like, okay, how do we get out of this? And so we definitely talked about definitely um, winning early and getting some, some matches that we know we can we're going to be the, uh, not the underdog, um, but we still wanted to challenge them. And so that's why the trip to Hawaii, West Virginia, UCLA, Hawaii, that's a top 30 tournament. And then coming home that next weekend is really good too. And then there's a really good mix at that TCU tournament. So we're excited about our schedule. We, we tell the kids, we always want to, 
prepare them for when we get to the Sun Belt and then when we get to the NCAA tournament. We don't want to just get to the tournament. We want to we want to play some of these teams so that we know what level we need to be at to make it to the second and third round of the tournament. Yes, Coach, and you, you mentioned how your team is so deep, especially, you know, you have some upperclassmen and you have some new freshmen as well. Now, with these new freshmen, you know, many of them may not have playing time because, you know, there's players in upper positions that are in those positions. Um, what is your uh, thought process about going and coaching these freshmen, especially these new people coming in from all sorts of different areas? Yeah, you know, that that's something we're, we're talking about every day is, you know, where – where are we at? We don't want to waste a year of eligibility for them to only play a couple sets. Would we maybe redshirt a couple kids where we um, kind of see, are, are they doing well enough that they're going to take the spot and run with it? Then, then let's do it. You know, we're going to put the best six kids, seven kids out there to help us win. Um, but we also are going to manage some of that as well because we want to maintain our f- uh, team for the future. And so early on here, that's, that's the big thing is trying to see where, where they fit in and kind of, gauging where they'll fit in long term you know are they are they going to be ready to go game ready and and make it through the season or is it something like hey let's not waste a year let's let's save a year and redshirt y'all those are those are conversations we're having and starting to figure out you know where 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 we need them and and what's going to be best for our program so so far you talked about you know treating the team to to a Hawaii trip while also playing volleyball. And then you also talked about, you know, going out and playing Kentucky just for the sole reason to have a couple of sisters get to play against each other at the collegiate level. It seems really like a a family within a team. Uh, What can you say just about the connection that you and the team have all together and kind of what culture that brings uh, to the rest of, you know, to, to the team in general? Yeah, I, I think that's something I say a lot that it's unique to Texas state. Um, is Texas State is a place where we can be top 30 and we can play for championships, but we're also going to enjoy life. I am a family person. I have a family at home that I want to see and spend time with and not have to be eat, sleep, breathe volleyball. I want these kids to know that we're playing for a championship every year, but we're also going to take care of them. We're going to do fun things. We're going to have life experiences. I want them to be involved. Texas State and what's going on in San Marcos is absolutely amazing like i want them to be as involved as they as they can be just knowing volleyball comes first and so um i will say i talked about it the other day it's been the transition into the head coaching role i think it's i finally feel a little more comfortable now um with this group because for the longest time they knew me as the assistant and they knew me like i was the one that came to my office they came in and, and i had to like let them know like my personality wasn't changing i'm always going to be who i am the title on my door changed and my office changed but i'm going to be sean and that's who i am i don't want you to think of me as anything different and so i think our connection and our relationship has evolved the last uh two years with that and i i think it's been really fun with this group to Alrighty, well, uh, don't know what happened there. Just lost uh, Coach Hewitt, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and keep things rolling here. So Texas State Volleyball starting things off uh, this weekend against uh, Houston Baptist and then uh, got a doubleheader against Incarnate Word. And uh, just uh, just looking forward to that, that weekend in San Antonio against uh against incarnate word as well as houston baptist and um yeah and just uh just looking forward to this volleyball season getting kicked off that hawaii tournament i'm sure will be fun for the girls and then coming back home to san marcus against sam houston ole miss wake forest the weekend of september 9th through the 11th 
And then they go to TCU, uh, play Abilene Christian, Alabama, and TCU in a tournament there the weekend of the 16th and the 17th. And then Sunbelt Conference play starts. Got a lot of new teams on the schedule, some teams that they were familiar with. Walking away from the schedule, you're losing you know, UT Arlington as well as Little Rock there, adding teams James Madison and Southern Miss into that schedule. So ULM, Louisiana, South Alabama, Arkansas State, and Troy Coastal, and those are the teams that are going to be more of the uh, the familiar programs that they've seen a lot of teams out of the East this year, um, which is a little familiar. I think there's only uh, two or three West teams in the in the conference schedule, but uh, but uh, a lot of new familiar new and familiar faces coming into Sunbelt Conference play this year, which will be a new thing for all of the Bobcat teams coming up this season, having to face some new faces and losing a lot of those familiar ones on their schedule. But, um, but we would just wanted to give a thank you uh, one more time to, uh, to coach Hewitt or yeah, coach Hewitt for, for calling in today, head coach of Texas state volleyball. And uh, unfortunately we lost him there for a second. So not sure what happened, but, uh, uh, but Hey, I mean, it had a great interview as long as it lasted, and I'm, I'm glad that we got to talk, and I'm sure we'll get to talk again soon, hopefully before they leave for Hawaii or before they start back here again at home. But, uh, but I'm thankful again for, for having Coach Hewitt on the show. Of course. I'm glad he called in. Sorry we lost him there, but, uh, it, I mean, it was a good interview at, at that. And, um, yeah, I just I, I really liked the way he was talking about the team, about how he was saying, I'm not I'm not coach. I'm I'm Sean. You know, treat me the same. Like we're, we're all a family. We're all in it together. So I, I really think the culture that he's building over there with that team is is going to carry along for a while. And, um, you know, after after having uh, Coach Chisholm leaving there just a couple of years ago, such a prominent coach, um, you know, there were a lot of question marks when he took the position. And um, so it's just it's. It's good that he was able to come in and really keep the program together and even, you know, make the program better. And where it is right now, it just seems like, you know, I it, that's a family right there that's playing. Volleyball yeah, almost together. a fluid transition between uh, between the two coaches mm-hmm. having to I mean, you, you go to the assistant coach and just move them up to the head coach. And and uh, most of the things are, I mean are going to be pretty similar. Obviously, uh, Coach Hewitt probably installed a lot of the things that um, that he wanted to, to see changed uh, in in the last season, but a lot of these new freshmen coming in for him, he's going to be able to instill uh, his culture, and uh, it seems to be pretty similar to, to the way it was before, and I'm excited to, to have uh, – have another season under his belt and, and, and get to see this uh, Bobcat volleyball team perform. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you look at his overall record, he's 51 and 21 as a head coach. I mean, that's a really good percentage. This guy has been able to come out during a COVID time. I mean, that's pretty hard to transition into a coaching job right through the pandemic. I mean, that's a pretty tough transition, uh, something that many people have never even done before in their careers. So, and he comes out and gets this many wins, 29 and three and Sunbelt conference matches. So this guy, this coach knows how to win. And it's amazing to get to talk to him on here. That was great to pick his brain and to hear that he treats his team like a family and I'm glad you talked about that Jacob because they just see him as Sean and he was a great he's one of the great coaches at Texas State and will be one of the greats yeah I mean uh, all the coaches here on campus absolutely amazing great personalities treats their team with a lot of respect and uh, a lot of um, a lot of just endearment and love and so I love to see that here on campus but uh, we're gonna go ahead take a quick break and I want to thank coach Hewitt again for calling in today but on the other side of it we got a little bit more to cover so don't go anywhere you're listening to Bobcat Radio here on KTSW 89.9. 
and welcome back to Bobcat Radio here on KTSW 89.9, Wednesday edition of Bobcat Radio here on the first week of classes in the studio with me. I've got my co-host, Justin Brown, producer Jacob Aromi, and myself, Kyle Owen, hosting y'all today. And uh, once again, sorry about the technical difficulties losing Coach Hewitt there, but great interview. Loved having him on. Hope to have him again. And uh, talked about Texas State Volleyball a little bit. Texas State Volleyball going on the road to start the season in San Antonio against Incarnate Word against Houston Baptist on Friday and then plays a doubleheader against Incarnate Word 12 and 7 o'clock that weekend before heading to Hawaii for their second series of the year. So Texas State Volleyball starting up strong after the disappointment in their Sunbelt Championship loss and missing the NCAA tournament for the first time in a couple of years uh, and not making that four-peat. So anyways, moving on to some NFL. We got a final eight or nine minutes left for you guys, and so we're going to talk about some fantasy football. We're doing a fantasy football league here at KTSW, and uh, and uh, one of our guys is, uh, has done done a draft already. But um, but uh, yeah, some fantasy football coming on. Yeah, so we we got the draft here in a, in a couple of days. We'll keep you all updated on that. It's pretty much uh, we got twelve people from the sports staff, so it's going to be a fun one to do. But Justin, you said you had already drafted. I, I want to hear how your draft went and to see if uh, yeah if you're good or not, basically. <laughs> okay, well, um, you know, I'm pretty I'm a pretty good GM, I'll say myself, and uh, I think uh, this went well. Okay, I, my starting QB, Josh Allen. Okay, right there. At the not start. bad. Not bad. I don't know. Uh, okay, I'm already getting some hate. Well, in my opinion, <laughs> I I I'm more of a later. Where round. did you pick him? I'm more of a later. Where round did I pick him? Oh, I don't even like. I don't even remember. <laughs> I think that was like my literal like uh, maybe fourth, fifth pick. I'm not sure. Um, Derrick Henry. That was your first pick. I can't. I can't remember. I got to look. He at was my... your first pick. If it wasn't your first pick, I don't know. Who, okay. Who okay. You're playing, yeah. But... It was probably Derrick Henry. Yeah. Because uh, what was that? Uh, what's the number one right now? His he's Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor was picked before him. Um, okay. What, yeah. what what pick did you have? What pick did I have? I can't remember this right now. Let's talk about the okay, team. Okay, Let's talk about okay, the team, okay, man. Okay, you guys okay. are gonna be on picks we're, here. We're talking about the draft. Right, Josh Allen, <laughs> Derrick Henry, and okay. then I got Joe Mixon. How many people are in this league? I'm, I'm asking questions, but how many people are in this it's league? It's a small league. It's like six people. Oh, okay. Well, that's why. Yeah, I know. I got a really nice stack <laughs> team. Like, well, everybody has a stack team yeah, in a six, know, in a six man league. Yeah, and then Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh, come on. I need to say anything else. What I mean, I'm the, set for yeah. life. I mean, well, you're set for life, but in a six man team, every, every yeah, team every is team like that. Everybody is. I got Kyle Pitts. Okay, not bad at the tight end position. T. Higgins. T. Higgins. Okay. I got. Evan McPherson is my kicker because he was amazing. Yeah, for he was. He was. Bengals last year in the playoffs. He and was they super. put up a lot of points. So yes. It works out. James Conner. If you don't I, know I, that, he's a running back yep. for the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I got a I got a quarterback. Um, you may you may know him. His name's uh Tom Brady on the bench. That's so dumb, right? Why did no, I pick Tom Brady on the bench? Well, Josh Allen's gonna. Josh definitely Allen. I know yeah. Josh Allen's gonna do great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and you said you had Diggs, right? Yeah. So you got Allen I, and Diggs, I'm, which I'm is good. And a I good got Nick Chubb. Yeah, he's, he's not the best fan. DJ Moore. These are my bench guys, guys. We're we're getting towards the bench. Uh, Mike Evans. Not bad. Not Marquee, bad. Marquise Brown Marquise. and Darren Waller. Yeah, Hollywood and uh, Darren Waller, man. Not bad. Not bad. So but again, I mean, yeah, we're looking at the six man yeah, league. Six man this league. changes everything for y'all. I, but yeah. but hey, I, it it works out, and 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 I mean. I don't know what the other teams look like, but um, if, if I had that team in, in a 12-man league, uh, I'm winning. So, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I mean, hey, it looks good for you, and uh, I, don't, I don't think we when's can really the, necessarily When's the draft wait. for the 12-man the, the league for y'all? 
The kids uh, sa- I, I'm going to do it Saturday. And, All right, well, uh, I'm going to like the message. I guess I'll get a better team. Well, Ours is already full. It's full. It's okay. full. See, yeah, that's fine, brother. Uh, okay. I was, I got to okay. I'm winning my I league already, spot. so I'm Awkward. winning my league. So. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, but but that, league, that league will be fun. It will be 12-man, so, you know, more legitimate than you know, having a six man league, but Hey, to each their own, to each their own. And we uh, wish everyone luck. Speaking of our 12 man league, man, Mm -hmm. uh, we played last year too. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, just, man, I, I I can't remember who won that. Was it you? No, you lost in the championship game. I lost in the championship game because uh, this is a PSA. (laughs) Do not invite people to your league who aren't going to really really play because i had the best team in a 12-man league i had herbert mixon cooper cup dk metcalf i had the team i had the team to win it all and then heading into the playoffs somebody didn't make the playoffs didn't care so they dropped their players mark andrews who at the time was the best tight end and nick chubb who at the time was probably third or fourth in running backs and just dropped them decent production and just dropped them and there, and I was in the championship game, and I was too good to pick them up on the waiver wire. So the guy who I was against picked them both up and beat me in the championship game, because it, it was fraud. Yeah, it was fraud. But I mean, hey, it happens. Collusion, it collusion exists in the world, and uh, unfortunately for you, uh, had it to also deal exists with that. in in but fantasy leagues. No, yes. so <laughs> I remember last year we were in the same division, and uh, we were both undefeated. Up, no, we were in opposite divisions. We were undefeated mm-hmm. up until we played one another, and then you dropped like two fifty on me, mm-hmm. and then. I had uh, to. And uh, I think uh, you you took what one loss throughout the season, mm-hmm. and then um, and then your second loss was. Was that championship? Was that championship game? Unfortunate, game. but uh, I ended up getting third place in that league. So mm-hmm. I mean, hey, hopefully another another solid season. Hate to hate to miss out on the championship game there. Uh, Would have loved to have uh, competed against you, Jacob. But yeah. um, but uh, hopefully maybe you wouldn't have picked up Mark Andrews and I. And I no, I probably won. probably wouldn't have. Um, yeah. uh, out of respect. <laughs> out of respect. Yeah, maybe so. But if I did see him on the waiver wire and uh, some good productive tight end points, I might have just been like, hmm. This is interesting and, and grabbed him anyways. But uh, yeah, so playing some fantasy football here on KTSW f- uh, for uh, for the NFL season. We'll keep you all updated on all that whenever we have the time to and um, try to keep you all updated on our standings and all those things right there. But um, we're almost out of time today. But before we get things wrapped up, we want to send it over to Jacob real quick from uh, for some for some weather. So looking at today, we have a high of 89 and a low of 76. Going to be cloudy pretty much all day, but the rain won't come until about a 30% chance of lightning storms starting at 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. That will kind of drag out throughout the day tomorrow, 50% chance of thunderstorms throughout the day on Thursday with a high of 93 and a low of 74. And after that, it's going to clear up for a sunny day on Friday with a high of 95 and a low of 73. So a little bit of thunderstorms kind of sprinkled throughout the week. Looking forward to just a couple weeks. Uh, they're going to be coming and going uh, for, you know, for a couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, other than that, sticking around those 90s. So, uh, yeah, stay cool out there and don't get rained on. Bring yeah, an umbrella. Man. Yeah, bring an umbrella. If you got a water bottle thing in your backpack, just go ahead and slide, a, slide an umbrella in there because you never know when you're going to mm-hmm. need it. That rain's going to come out of nowhere sometimes. So you'll go into class to be sunny, come out, and it'll be pouring. So I, I did figure yesterday, I was walking around with an umbrella. I think, I don't think there's, it just came to my mind, I don't think there's a, a way to walk around with an umbrella while looking cool. Oh, I mean. No, there's no way. There's no way. Uh, you just, you got to hold it up high. 
kind of like Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins and style. just and just like run around. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, just like that. Might so, have to start uh, trying that. anyways, that's our time for the day. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, George or <laughs> Justin, for joining me today. And we also want to give a big thank you to Coach Hewitt, head coach of the Texas State bobcat volleyball team uh make sure to keep up with everything texas state and san marcus related by following us on instagram youtube twitter and all things social on at ktsw sports just to keep up with everything going around here in the uh, san marcus sprawling metropolis of san marcus yeah but uh for Justin brown jacob baromi i'm kyle owen and thank you for listening to this wednesday's edition of bobcat radio now let's get you back to the other side of radio